This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm coming to you today um, with an exciting guest. Her name is Dana Brown-Ritter. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dana. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Dana is the Washington Bureau Chief for CBN News. That's Christian Broadcasting Network, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and you and I, I think we met through Hope Writers, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny that we weren't already acquainted through DC ties. But yeah, I, I think I sort of recognized you were in Hope Writers. And I thought, hey, she's like in the media world in DC, which is sort of where I came from a little bit. Um, so that was a cool connection to make. And then just to see that we were both Christians and um, in this group together. Uh, so, you know, for a long time, I kept thinking I should have her on the podcast. So I'm so glad that we're finally doing it. Well, thank you. I am a listener of your podcast and oh. so it's really fun to be able to have the chance to be on this end of it. So thank you. Yeah, well, there's several things I want to talk to you about. Um, they're all sort of different, but I'm going to start with um, your career because I think it's really interesting. So tell us a little bit about, well, first tell us, you know, where do you live? Tell us a little about, I guess, your, your family quickly. Um, and then sort of how did you get to become the Washington Bureau Chief, chief of a uh, TV network? Okay, sure. Well, I live in Northern Virginia in Fairfax uh, with my husband, Michael, and our two and a half year old son, Caden, and our 15 year old Puggle, Brokaw. Oh, man. And, uh, Brokaw. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you'll, we'll get into the level of my news nerdiness, but yes, that is <laughs> from my dog's name. <laughs> and yes, I have had a chance to tell the actual Tom Brokaw about Brokaw the dog. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. <laughs> um, and I work in Washington, D.C., downtown, as the Washington Bureau Chief for CBN News, which, as you mentioned, is the Christian Broadcasting Network. I've been in this position at CBN for about four years, a little over four years. I came in the week before Trump was inaugurated. Okay. So, totally chaotic time. And where did you um, come from? Directly. This time I came from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was okay. working at the CBS affiliate there as the news director. I have a local television news background. So I worked in Roanoke, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Washington, D.C. And then I, I actually previously worked at CBN News as a White House producer about eight years ago and left and went back into local news and went into management and then returned as bureau chief four years ago. Wow. So, so a lot of moving, but hopefully this is it. I think my husband's kind of over the career, the shiny career objects. <laughs> well, what, if you're in DC or New York, you're sort of where all the shiny yeah. stuff is already. So hopefully you totally. don't have to move. Yeah, we're in the middle of where everything is happening. So, yeah. so how would you, I mean, I don't know, kind of sum up the past four years, well, five years, I guess, um, because that is a crazy time to move into the DC media network, like the Trump years. So uh, how would you characterize that time? It was a roller coaster ride, Erica. Honestly, I'm still kind of not, you know, when you ride an actual roller coaster and then you get off and you're kind of still feel like you're moving a little. I, I have that yes. sense. 
uh, <laughs> I still have that sense, you know, with um, having worked in Washington before, I was used to a, uh, what would I would call like a normal news rhythm and nothing about Trump um, was normal in the news rhythm. It was everything was big, breaking sometimes scandalous news happening at all hours. And before that, Washington was very much a town that was kind of buttoned up by 4.30. You know, the occasional bin Laden would be killed at 1 a.m., right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. And so it was it was four really intense um, news coverage years. And now that he's out of office and we have a new president. Some of those normal Washington routines are back, mm. um, but I'm still not used to it. You have so PTSD. Still, yeah, PTSD. I think so. So were you, I assume, because even I was, well, I wouldn't say I was like this because I didn't have to be in the news all the time, but did you wake up and see like what's he tweeted? Oh yeah. I mean, I still, I mean, even he's not on Twitter anymore, but I had him on alert. And okay. so, except for sometimes when just for mental health reasons, I needed to turn those <laughs> alerts off a few times. Right, over right. the years. Um, I had him on alert and not only him, you know, multiple cabinet members and things like that. So that is just goes with the territory of the job is really being on top of it. You know, he certainly did make a lot of news, mm -hmm. which if you're a news person, you have to appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, being able when he was on Twitter, whether, you know, you could characterize that as good or bad is fine. You still did have direct word from the president himself. Very yeah. Often. And so that is, you know, that was unique to that time period. But it was definitely very busy, long hours. I mean, cabinet members getting fired, you know, oh my gosh. Just, everything was just huge. You know, dropping a Moab. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, I well, you know, I'm not this is not a take at all on um, him being kicked off social media because I don't I don't know that I have a like I don't know that I'm like, yeah, that's great. Um, but in a way, like it has been kind of nice because I feel like if he was still on Twitter, like we'd still be getting these stories about the tweets and because yeah. they can't you can't resist it. And he would be, again, making himself the story. And so, again, like I said, I'm not really into, like, censorship or kicking people off. But at the right. same time, it's been kind of a relief. <laughs> yeah, it's a reminder that there are other voices in the room, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I, I have a question about, so you guys are Christian broadcasting. Mm -hmm. So how would you say you cover the news differently as a Christian network? Yeah, so um, our goal is to present and approach the news from a Christian perspective. And so from a biblical worldview is the is our goal each day as we approach the news. And so sometimes you can see that in the choices of stories that we cover. Um, I have told, um, we did an interview a few years ago with the New York Times about our chief political analyst. And I remember the, the day that the reporter was there was like the week of the national prayer breakfast. And I explained to her, this is like the Super Bowl for us. <laughs> you know, yes. Prayer breakfast is a huge thing mm -hmm. for our audience and for our newsroom. And that is not really the case anywhere else, you know. However, right. there are other stories that we would cover just as intently and, um, you know, follow the TikTok of everything, just like we are right now with the um, COVID 
package that's working its way through Congress. Mm-hmm. We're covering that um, just like the mainstream media would cover it. Um, but sometimes we will have a different take on a story. We do try to be intentional at looking for hope and looking for um, light and where the Lord is potentially at work in a situation or if we you know, can see something that will bring people hope, especially in the last year over COVID, um, looking for highlighting those types of stories. We like to do that as well. Yeah. Um, I just had a question on my head and it just went away. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me um, like recalibrate here. I'm so sorry. Um, So uh, I guess, you know, what do you like about working in the news business? It's very fast paced, like you said. So what is it that draws you to that kind of work? Yeah. The first thing that drew to me, so I can't believe I've been doing this now for like 20 years, 21 years. It's crazy. Um, But I love getting to be an eyewitness to history. Mm -hmm. And um, I still get a rush off of knowing something, even though now it's only literally a couple seconds before everyone else (laughs) does. Thanks, internet. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Twitter. But um, I love that, like just getting to be a part of – history and the the first draft of history. I've always loved Mm -hmm. that. Um, I also love the idea of being able to be a representative of the audience. You know, we have had chances to interview presidents and, you know, people in really high positions. And I always try to remember and remind our correspondents who are doing these interviews, like we are here on behalf of the audience. You know, Mm -hmm. not everyone has a chance to sit across from this empowered person and hold them accountable or ask them common sense, normal people questions. And so we're here on their behalf. And so I, I treasure that opportunity to do that as well. So can you give me some names of some people that you've been really excited about meeting or that you kind of put up there as like, wow, I'm really glad that happened? Well, of course, any kind of presidential association or interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had the chance um, to be there for presidential interviews with um, President Trump. Um, I had a couple of interactions, not an interview, but an interaction uh, with um, President Obama. And um, when I was first in Washington, I had a couple of chances to cover um, not very high profile things, but um, as a as a producer for the for President George W. Bush. And so those Mm -hmm. really stick out to me. Um, And then there are some that are maybe not as exciting to everyone else, but are exciting to me (laughs) on a a more personal level. And um, one of those was um, Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, she is, yeah, you, you're familiar mm-hmm. with John. So she's someone who has had a really um, personal impact on my life. And so getting the chance to talk to her and meet her husband. And um, after that, had a chance for my husband and I to go to lunch with them. That was a really special. Oh, thing. very cool. Yeah. yeah. So that was really cool too. And then honestly, sometimes it's just the normal people that you meet doing Mm -hmm. stories and you can form relationships with them. And Mm -hmm. so people that nobody would know or ever hear of. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, so much of journalism is not the uh, senator. It's the everyday people that we're talking to. Like we want to get those stories. Those are the, those are the uh, actual like normals, uh, normies out there um, that all these policies are affecting. And so we want to talk to them. I totally, I totally get that. I, um, 
man, I wanted to meet George W. Bush so badly. I am such a fangirl and um, I got so close. I got to go to um, an event that he was doing for, I wanna say it had to do with his library, but I'm not sure, but it was in DC and I got to go. And I was like sitting, he was like right in front of me. And so I was cool. like, but you know, as soon as he was done talking they rushed him out and I was like, oh, but I did get a picture. So I have the proof that I was there. Yeah, but being in DC uh, is really, it does give you more opportunities than you would think. Um, and, you know, some, I, I've also met some really cool politicians like John McCain and Mitt yeah. Romney. And so it's, it was really awesome living there for 10 years. And I kind of miss it, although I'm sure it's like not the same now. Were you going not, into work every day or did not you? Not every day. I'm about half and half. So I'm, I'm usually um, in the office two to three days a week. Mm -hmm. um, we're still trying to keep our numbers at a certain level. And so we schedule people on a rotating basis. And so I'm in two to three days a week. Okay. Got it. Got it. You're not home today, obviously. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I'm always home, but I'm just thankful my house is quiet because I don't have children yeah. here, which is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a miracle that you have a house full of children who are quiet. <laughs> I know. Well, they're not here. So Oh, that would be, that wouldn't work. They wouldn't be, if they were here, it would not be quite, they would be like on, ah, this is how they are. I only have one and I, and I understand. <laughs> well, okay. So let's transition to talking about your family a little bit. Um, I, I told you an email, like I had clicked on your website and then I, I hadn't even realized that you had sort of written a lot about your marriage to your husband who has a disability. And you guys had like, I think you wrote a book and you, um, have spoken, you've done speaking engagements about it. And I just thought, how did I miss this all this time? Like I've sort of been, we've been connected for a couple of years and I thought I've completely, this is like, whoosh, and all of a sudden I thought, man, this would be so in interesting to talk with you about. So tell us a little bit about your husband and how you guys met and, and just sort of the story behind that. Sure, sure. Uh, my husband is Michael and uh, we've been married 11 years now. And um, I actually met him when I was in college. It was the 90s. You have to take yourself back a little. <laughs> it was the 90s and I went to Liberty University and I was a part of a ministry team that traveled on the weekends um, and did programs for youth ministry groups. And it was called Youth Quest. I've and heard of so, that. I feel like that sounds familiar. It's such a, it's such a like, them all. <laughs> 90s like Christian culture thing. You know, like we had matching shirts and like. Oh, music. I was in it all. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so we had gone down to Clearwater Beach, Florida, one spring break on a trip. And when we went on those trips, um, like families from churches would host us as college students in their homes, right? So I neglected to leave a thank you note at my host home and I was not going to be allowed to travel again until I rectified my error. Mm -hmm. So um, this is 1998. I um, need to find the name of this family that I stayed with and I go on AOL, right? Um, and uh, look for anybody who has in their profile that they are associated with this church. And I send them messages. <laughs> I need to get the address to these people. And Michael wrote me back. <laughs> oh my gosh, that yeah, is so that crazy? crazy. Yeah. So I did meet him in a massive group of college students on that trip. And honestly, I probably never would have remembered it, except for the fact that he's in a wheelchair and he was the only person in a wheelchair. So I did remember meeting him, but it mm -hmm. wasn't no sparks flew or anything. Yeah. Um, so we kept in touch for eight years online. Wow. Just like emailing. Yeah. 
emailing because social media didn't exist yet. Yeah. So this was like back in the time of every time you moved, you would get a new email address because you got a new cable provider. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, remember? And so yes. I would send out a mass email that says, hey, I got a job in, you know, Pittsburgh. I'm moving. Here's my new email. So we would kind of lose touch and get back in touch and sometimes talk on the phone and that kind of thing. And so we were just long distance friends, um, basically through our twenties and went through a lot of the stuff that you go through in your twenties as friends. Um, and then one Valentine's day, he sent flowers to the newsroom that I was working in and mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, oh my gosh. You like, were surprised. Yeah. I was a little surprised, but I had kind of always wondered, you know, if we, I, I think I kind of knew in the back of my mind, if we were to ever go there, that that would be it. And so mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time kind of not really walking all the way up to that line. Right, right. Because it's also like you don't want to lose your friendship if, you know, yeah. somehow it doesn't work I out. I nervous about the whole disability thing. And I didn't really, you know, know a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the flowers really kind of opened that up. And uh, one thing led to another. And then, and then I was on a plane to Texas. And yeah. so I flew out to Texas from Pittsburgh and hadn't seen him in eight years. Wow. And, yeah, it was like, I, I am really not that much of a risk taker. <laughs> so, um, but it was great. I mean, I, we just, um, we hit it off right from the beginning and just had so much to talk about. And we're in a really similar um, faith journey at the time. And so it was, it was beautiful. And uh, I, I loved that time of, of falling in love long distance. And then um, we dated long distance for about a year and then we were engaged for about a year and then he moved from Texas at that time I was living in Washington DC here when we got married <laughs> so oh my all of our time like pre-marriage was in, in vacation mode you know whenever we were yes I yeah there. I've heard that about as I was talking to someone else recently who had a similar situation and it's like, well, yeah, well, before it was like always like having a good time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when we first got married, I was like, hold on, I have to work every day. <laughs> like, well, this is not fun. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I would love to hear more about, you know, your concerns about, oh, wow, well, he's in a wheelchair. So what does that mean? Like, what are some of the things that were going through your mind? Yeah, I think mainly just a lot of not really knowing, you know, what... I mean, even I would remember Googling things like life expectancy. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I didn't know any of that. And just for a little bit of background, my husband um, is paralyzed from the chest down. He's a quadriplegic. And it happened um, during a missions trip, actually, to the Bahamas when he was in high school. He was on the gymnastics, a performance gymnastics team. And he did. He tells the story he did a flip and a half and broke his neck in the That is so such a freak accident. Accident and you know, happened on a missions trip. And um yeah, so now that was twenty-six years ago. Um and so he's in a wheelchair all the time. He has limited mobility in his arms and um no like use not really much use of his hands he can use his wrists and so pretty limited um he is able to push his own uh, manual wheelchair um but you know i had never really been around disability um growing up or you know didn't didn't really know anybody closely um who had that going on in their life and so i was pretty intimidated by that did a lot a lot a lot of googling um <laughs> awesome with questions though. I mean, really anything that I was nervous about, um, he just 
led me through that, mm-hmm. any of his care routine and that kind of thing. So in early in our marriage, I did all of his care. And mm-hmm. now I no longer do that. I mean, we're definitely in a different season and have a child now. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I do his caregiving on the weekends. Um, but early on in our marriage, I did all of it. And it was um, it was a lot to take on. Yeah, I can sure. imagine. Um, and so I, the blog that I used to write, it's really dormant now. Um, but I wrote that during a season that I was trying to do it all and do all of his caregiving and do my career and, you know, have our, our new marriage. And, um, I was really struggling and I found an outlet through writing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this was during the season of kind of blogging. Um, and, and, but through that, I was able to connect with some other people who were in a similar circumstance. Um, and so I'm still friends with a lot of those people now on social media. It didn't social media. Wasn't it makes like, all the difference to find oh people yeah, like to in your very specific situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a, a little bit about, about his, um, his disability and kind of how that you know, affects, it affects everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything we do everywhere that we go. Um, you know, I drive a wheelchair van that's too tall to park in the parking garage at work. Oh no. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. All of those things. So, yeah. Well, so you had met him fairly soon after this happened to him. So, you know, how would you describe him as a person? Because, you know, I feel like it takes a lot to, I mean, gosh, a 17 year old guy, like to, to become so, um, you know, unable to function in that way. Um, What is his sort of attitude and perspective on life and what kind of person is he? Oh man, it would make you sick. Like he is the kind of person, (laughs) (laughs) he is the most flexible, patient, sweet person. Mm. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. The opposite of me. (laughs) (laughs) I would be driven up the wall like multiple times a day and no he's very just personality wise um very go with the flow um more of a free spirit type um you know he he he's content i I don't Mm. know how to say it and and he's been that way as long as i have known him he's been one to go with the flow and he's been really um good for me uh because i am not one that is one to slow down or smell the roses or anything like that. <laughs> I'm just like you. I'm exactly I like that. Catalysts, you know, <laughs> like, go, go, go. Yes, go. totally, and, totally. Uh, yeah. And, but, but he, he's really great with that. Not to say that he doesn't get frustrated. There are certainly times that it gets old, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it's the things that people don't think about. It's like people think about um, being in a wheelchair, or having a disability that you really miss walking. And Michael and I talk about that. Like, that's really not that bad mm-hmm. you know like i would like to be able to get dressed on my right. own you yeah. know or like go to the bathroom like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so like simple things open a jar you know like it's all of these really small things that add up to you know he spends a lot of time waiting on someone or, or me to help him accomplish something you know mm-hmm. and so those things can be frustrating um but it's not necessarily the things that people think about like running or walking or even driving, you know, did he have any sort of um, like faith crisis or anything after it happened? 
actually, it was the opposite for him. Um, in the summer before, so that happened in the summer before his senior year of high school. And um, during that time, he had a, a season of big spiritual growth um, before that happened. And then through that time, he experienced just an overwhelming sense of community from his church community. His dad was a pastor at the time. His dad's still a pastor, but his dad was a pastor at the church that he was on this trip associated with this church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And they just really surrounded their family and supported them and, you know, still have great relationships with all of those people. And so, you know, that really carried him through that process. And I think for him, he didn't really face the crisis of it until we were married and Mm. I went through a crisis with it. Um, And, and I realized after some time in counseling that I was grieving it was grief that I was mm-hmm. going through. Um, and he walked with me through that and realized that he had never really completed that process himself. Mm. And so yeah. it was pretty delayed until he, you know, walked through it with me and, and saw the impact on someone else's life. So. And so how would you say that you've seen God work through the whole situation? Yeah. Um, I would go back to that verse about when, um, you know, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just come back to that continually that, you know, the reminder that it's in our weakness that we're made perfect. Um, I've been through, you know, some other things that not only that, but seasons of um, longing or wanting uh, something that you don't have or that you are praying for and uh, have really experienced the Lord um drawing near to me when I draw near to him. And so this has been something that has forced us to do that. And I can say that like that, it really does bless you when you need the Lord, you Mm. rely on the Lord. It does bless you. And you can't experience that when you're just living in your own strength and in your own space. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Yeah, it's a really interesting experience, whatever you're talking about. There's something I'm thinking of right now going on in our life that we don't really have control over. And, you know, we were praying about it last night, and I just thought, like, there's nothing I can do. Like, I literally cannot take a class or listen to a TED talk, like buy something. <laughs> I can't buy, I can't hire an assistant to fix this right. problem. And I felt very just like, sort of just like, uh, you know, but it's at that time really though, that you do like, you know, see how much that you believe in, in the power of 
God. And like, you know, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, we're very lucky in America that we don't face a lot of those situations many times um, because we have so much here. Um, but the, of course, there are these circumstances uh, that are, you know, whether it's health or physical stuff um, or maybe job related, whatever, um, that when that happens, like you don't really have a choice. And it's then it's like, oh, that's when you see how deep your faith really is. Right. So I totally agree with yeah, that. Out of need. There's yes. Nothing need. Yeah, mm -hmm, exactly. So true. Well, your husband sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> that's that's really cool. Do you guys still do speaking and or anything with uh, with your story? We haven't. We did a little bit of that um, when my job really took a kind of took off into getting into a higher level management and kind of started to take over more of my life. Um, we <laughs> didn't do as much of that. Um, we would love to do more of that. And, you know, when COVID is over, hopefully yeah. we'll have some more opportunities and, and things like that. But, um, but we have had some and, and I have had some um, on my own and he has had some on his own as well. And so uh, we love it whenever we do have the chance to, to share what God's done in our life and what he's still doing. And so you joined Hope Writer, so that means you like to write. Um, yeah. So what kind of stuff do you like to write? Well, I haven't written since since uh, my son came into our lives. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can barely even like write a journal. <laughs> like I, it's just I. It has rocked my world as far Being as being a mom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I didn't. I definitely underestimated kind of the level of. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how I, how the I was level talking. of like need, uh, and yeah, I, because writing was attention. just release for me and part of my identity even. And now I try to write something and I just fall asleep. <laughs> like, I just can't even be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. hard to like, it is, it is a, like, you know, a, like sort of a hobby or whatever, like a fun thing that you like to do as a creative release. But it's like you have to have the um, space for creativity in order to yes, do that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I find that I don't have that space a lot of times um, right. because of work and mom life. Like, you know, I'm That's not I, I do a, I do some writing for my work, but most of the writing I do is not like the kind of writing I want to do. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So um, yeah, what I would really you like, like to really write? Like journaling. Um, I really like processing through things by writing. Um, and I really enjoyed blogging. I enjoyed that so much. Um, and I still enjoy social media and writing some on Instagram and that kind of thing. It's nothing like it used to be. Um, but I love Hope Writers. I'm still in there. Yeah. <laughs> And I do still aspire to to write regularly mm -hmm. um, or even do something like you're doing and have a podcast or write a book, you know, one day, but it's not right now. <laughs> so, but that, and that's okay. And for me, if you can, okay, there, you froze up for a second. Am I, can you see me? I can, and you look frozen. Oh, but you can hear me? I can hear you, yes. Okay, we'll just keep going then. <laughs> if you can hear me. Um, I was just going to say that, I actually, I'm such a sucker for this stuff. I actually just uh, joined another group as well. You know, I feel, I've been feeling really stuck because um, mm -hmm. like I've been working on this book that I've been writing and, you know, it's like you're constantly build your email list, build your email list. That's what you hear all the time. And yeah, I like good. struggle. I can't, I can't seem to build my email list very well. And 
So anyway, I was just like, I got to get some better direction here. And I know Hope Writers has stuff for that too, but I was like, I need something fresh. And so I joined it. It's actually less expensive than Hope Writers. And it's like a new community of people. So I thought, you know what? It's going to be worth it. Yeah, because And Allie really brings that business mindset to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She has that personal experience of kind of starting with nothing. Right. And and getting to where she is. And yeah, I, I love her. I love her stuff. And even I, I've even followed some of her um, content that is geared towards leadership mm -hmm. as well. That's kind of the space I'm really in work wise right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I love, I love that stuff. So. Well, yeah. So now I have like a whole like library of videos and I'm like, ugh, like I really needed something else to watch. And now but... I'm a sucker now for like all the toddler courses. <laughs> oh, I know. I have been. <laughs> I have been thinking about taking one, to be honest with you, because yeah, I... Yeah, one that's really good, by the way. I could recommend it to you. Oh, really? Yeah. What's it called? It's called Big Little Feelings. That's I follow that on Instagram. Yes. I follow okay. her. So they have this um, toddler course. I don't know. How old are your kids now? You have one that's like... My daughter is going to be three next week. Okay. And my son is five. Okay. Yeah. So my son is two and a half. So we're really in the... <laughs> Oh, I know. And I have a, a, what is the word? Strong-willed toddler? Yeah. So I, um, I really like their, their course that they've put together. Okay. Um, One, I'm going to need something. I've, like, seriously. I've already seen some help. Oh, good. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's been I think, helpful. you know, it's like, I, nobody knows what they're doing, but I sometimes I'm like, am I just like, do other parents let their kids eat on the couch? I don't know. I'm just a big, like, I'm just too lazy to, like, enforce rules sometimes. Because I'm just I like, know. I'm tired. Just eat you fine. Eat on the couch. Whatever. For dinner, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about your son. What's his name again? Okay. His name is Caden. Caden. Okay. And you guys adopted him. So tell us about that journey. Yeah. So we um, we adopted him at birth two and a half years ago. Um, and before that, um, we had gone through a long season of trying to pursue fertility treatments and that kind of thing. And I had a pretty traumatic experience with an ectopic mm. pregnancy mm. and then we decided we didn't want to pursue that anymore after that happened um, and had um, friends who had adopted. And so I remember um, kind of being at this place of, I wish we were ready to adopt and talking to my husband about it. And he said, well, I'm ready if you're ready. <laughs> and I was thinking, why didn't we talk about this before? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So I, uh, I, I thought through my connections and my friends and I made a list, of course, that's me, I make lists of all of my friends who either were adopted or who had adopted mm -hmm. and um, just called them all up one by one and said, you know, tell me about this journey and, um, you know, what do I need to do? Where do I start? And had a couple of really helpful guides, personal guides who had previously adopted um, infants domestically in the United States and got connected to an agency um, actually through a customer of my mom. So my mom has a business in North Carolina um, that sells baby items. It's called Rockabye Baby. Aww, so she sells baby clothing and it's kind of a consignment type of model. And so she um, sends donations regularly to a crisis pregnancy center in her area. And there was um, an adoption agency worker who was affiliated with them. So that was how I got connected to my the agency that we ended up using. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so it's just kind of one thing led to the other. Now, how long was the process from 
hey, we should adopt to having a baby. <laughs> it wasn't that long for us. It was about one year. So we were super fortunate um, just through that whole process. We didn't have any delays or disruptions or we weren't scammed or anything like that. Yeah, because yeah. it can, yeah, it can, you hear these stories of how it can take so long and something goes wrong. And it still felt like forever, you know. A year, time. yeah, it would feel, yeah, I totally get that because we, yeah. we had fertility issues and I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to be so old by the time I actually I have a child. And now that I am 41 with a two and a half year old, I'm like, I kind of am old. <laughs> like, well, oh, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, well, because see, my mom, my mom had me like really young, so like I have really young parents, and I'm like, well, that's not gonna be us. I know. Like I remember when my mom turned forty, and I was in high school. Yes, <laughs> I was in I was in college when my mom turned forty. Like that's insane. I know. I'm like but yeah, whatever. We had other we had other lives before children. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I am thankful for that. I will say this: that you know, I I can see um, just even with other moms that I'm associated with, whether it be on in a social media group or, you know, the other moms at my son's school and stuff. I think that because I am a little bit older, I think it gives me a little bit more confidence and a little less comparison between mm -hmm. what I'm doing and what someone else is doing. And I am grateful for that because I think of myself 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I definitely would have questioned my own judgment mm -hmm. and choices more than I do now. I, I'm more um, confident in who I am and comfortable in my skin and my ability to make, to assess a situation and make a decision. So yeah, I no, I never thought about that, but I think that's probably true of myself as well. I don't feel like I really suffer too badly from like mom comparison type stuff. Right. So maybe that is an age thing. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So but back to the adoption. Yeah. Process. So um, we have an open adoption with Caden's um, birth mother. And uh, and so she lives in another state. And um, we, through doing some research um, before adopting, we knew that we wanted to enter into an open adoption that research has shown that that can be a healthy thing for a child to always know their story. And so we are navigating that with her. Um, and actually when he was born, I wasn't able to be there um, when he was born, but shortly after I was, and I was able to visit with her a number of times um, before we left that state and came back here mm -hmm. and have been able to go back and visit. And so it's a really special, um, special thing for our family and for, um, for Caden. So we're grateful to have that. What was it like, I guess, meeting him for the first time? What were you feeling before you met him? And then the moment, like, because I don't know if it's like, you know, you hear a lot of birth moms say, you know, some say, oh, it was love at first sight. And others are like, I don't know, like, it wasn't love at first sight. And it just depends on the situation. So is it is it a similar thing? I don't have anything else to compare it to. Um, so I... I don't know, but I can say that I felt like when I saw him for the first time that I was like, there you are. Like, Aww. I was waiting for you and there you are, you know? Um, and I, I remember the, so the, the way that it had worked out was I wasn't able to be there when she was there and I had to wait for her to leave. Um, and then I got a call from a social worker that said I could come then. Mm -hmm. I had gotten on a plane the night before, after I had heard that he was born on a Sunday, flew on a Monday, met him on a Tuesday. Mm. Um, 
and he was a little bit jaundiced. And so he had to stay in the hospital one extra day, but that was such a blessing for me because I was allowed to stay with him and room in at the hospital and have one night of nurses, like helping me <laughs> figure out what to do with this. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> that was really helpful. But, but so when I um, walked into the room, he was um, freshly bathed and swaddled two day old, perfection um in you know one of the clear bassinets and it was up against the wall on the left hand side of the room and the bed was over here and um I walked in and the nurses were like crying watching me walk in oh um, I want to cry right now oh my gosh they're so sweet I'm still friends with all of them on Facebook <laughs> but, um I asked them I'm like can I hold him you know like I felt like I I'm needed like, you're his mom yeah. And so, um, so they put him in my arms and I just immediately started looking him over and just wanted to know everything about him and study every, you know, fingernail and everything about him. And so, but I remember having this sense of like, there you are, there you are. It's you, it's you who I was waiting for. Cause I think for so long, seven years, our journey of infertility and adoption to get to that point. I had this idea of kind of like a baby, like a generic right. baby. Like I want a baby. And right. so, but meeting him, it immediately just became very personal and that it was him, you know? And, um, and so I remember that night he was, um, he under the light, you know, cause he was jaundiced. He was sleeping in this blue light and I was not sleeping just next to him. Just like, staring, you know, yeah, totally get that. you know, there was a schedule I could take him out and feed him, you know, a certain amount. Um, but I remember at one point he looked, he, he turned his head and looked over at me and he had these little like baby sunglasses on and he was peering out from underneath them. And I was just like, Oh, Hey, so I'm here now. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hope you like me. <laughs> yeah, like, um, but I also just remember this, like, huge sense of responsibility to steward that transition well for him and respect that this really foundational, huge thing in his life was changing. Um, and so just, I don't know, just trying to just be really loving and sensitive to his needs just from the very beginning that, like, this morning you were with your birth mom on her mm -hmm. chest and now here I am mm -hmm. and hello, nice to meet you, you know? So mm -hmm. just tried to, uh, and that was such a dear time for the Lord. Like the Lord was so near to me during that time. I was all alone out there because my husband stayed here. Mm -hmm. That's a complicated situation for him to travel. And right. Over. Right. Um, and so it was just me and him. Um, and the Lord. <laughs> and so it was, it's a precious, like precious, special time. Oh yeah. I just, now, so, I'm yeah. like, really feel like you just painted such a good picture. And I, um, you know, that I, I think it doesn't, it's like who, whoever you are, I, it's almost like when your baby is born, whoever bears it, you are kind of like that. Like, oh, there you are. Like, I feel like I had a similar kind of experience, you know, That's like I didn't know him and then he was there. And, um, so that, that's, that's so cool. And he's yeah. adorable. And you're yeah. saying he's, Sorry, go ahead. Share with you the other piece of that day that really sticks out to me. And I'm so thankful because I was able to have a photographer with me um, for our meeting. And so I have these um, beautiful photos and she had, um, just the, the sense to take pictures of the whole room, um, which 
I really treasure now because I didn't realize. So I came in and I met Caden um, at the time. And then I had the nurses sat me down with him and I had to watch, you know, the video about a couple of videos. They had some D they had like a DVD cart <laughs> in there and like the video about, um, you know, babies crying and dealing with stress and these kind of things. And uh, I realized as I was holding him watching these DVDs um, that I was in her room, his his birth mother's room, mm -hmm. that was the room, that that was her bed, that those were her socks, that that was her juice box. Yeah, like it just hit me that um, I, I, it was so sacred. It was just such a sacred place and time. Um, and I, I again, I didn't know what to expect going into that. Uh, I knew that you know we weren't going to be able to be with him together just because of the circumstances. Um, but I felt like that was a gift to get to be in that same space that mm -hmm. she had been in there with him mm -hmm. as well and that we got to and that I know that that also when I was able to tell her that after the fact that that meant a lot to her too they did move us into the room next door um because that room hadn't been cleaned but I I'm just so grateful that it worked out that way and I was able to be in the same place that that he was and then also that I just still have the visuals of that actual mm -hmm. place that yeah that is a, that is so beautiful. That's something you should write about. I feel like, <laughs> but, I mean, just the way you describe it is, is just, well, thankfully it's definitely really seared in there. Yeah. I mean, I've forgotten a lot about the last couple of years, <laughs> but well, that yeah, really seared uh, there, so. the, the mom brain is real. I'll tell you what, yeah. I know it. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, you said you had a strong will, but like mine, is that correct? I don't <laughs> know. I'm like, does everybody think they have a strong will? Yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like mine are more difficult than other kids, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. I mean, I think they're all pretty difficult, you know? Um, yeah. No, but he's, uh, he's great. He's fun. He's funny. He's sweet. He's not like peak toddler, cute voice, you know, like everything he says right now is funny and adorable. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, totally um, get that. It's just the cutest thing. I, I, I just want to follow him around at all times and just record. <laughs> I know. I was just the other day. I like kept recording like the same, like nothing interesting was happening. They were just kind of like playing around. And I just kept hitting video and I was like, well, I can't really just like video for hours. So that would be boring later. But, yeah. um, but yeah, you want to capture as much as you can because you know it's how precious those are going to be later. The funny things that he says, you know, the way that he says them, like he, a couple of things he's saying right now are he'll lay down on the floor and he'll say, mommy, snack me up. <laughs> yes. I don't know. What is it? Oh yeah. My daughter lately, she calls band-aids. She calls them bam-bams. She's like, yeah. I need a bam bam. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, never say it any different. Always say bam bam. So yeah. <laughs> the other day he had um, hiccups and he said, I have the kickups. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I, we're in the exact same phase with my daughter. So I get yeah. that. So fun. When they're so just fun. learning language. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to ask you, um, I, I should have. Should have prepped you for this. I can't remember if I did. I just love to ask people what they've been reading or what authors they like, um, podcasts, TV shows, anything that you've been really enjoying lately. I love to hear about that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you did prep me, and so I did. Oh, okay, um, good. I can't remember. Like, what if I? Because again, mom brain. I'm like, what have I read lately? I don't even know. Oh, I can't pull that I'm, stuff. I'm big out. into audiobooks right now, mm -hmm. um, and it's great because our library has an app where you can check out audio books. Mm -hmm. And so one of my um, very one of my favorite recent, but I will tell you, I think it's a favorite of all time is Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. Really? Yeah. 
I highly recommend it. What do you it. like about it so much? Um, he's such a good storyteller, Erica. Such a good storyteller. I heard someone else say that it was really good on audio. Yeah, really good on audio. Um, definitely just, you know, it's Matthew McConaughey, so he has an amazing voice. Um, but he's telling, it's a memoir, so he's telling his personal stories um, just with all of the you know, realness and emotion with it. And it's a really well done audio performance, but it's also a really good book. Hmm. And he takes some, so basically what it's about is he turned 50 um, and he looks back at kind of his first 50 years and tells stories about his mom. I love the motherhood stories that he tells about his mom um, and his, his brother and how he ended up with some of the lines that he's famous for. Um, it's, a, it's really, really, really all good. Right, all right, all and right, all right. I never would have, like, I'm not a celebrity person at all. I don't even, I hardly even watch any television other than news. Um, but that book is really good. I'm definitely recommend it. Uh, what made you pick it up? It was free. It was in the library app. Oh, it was just in the library. Oh, yeah. I guess that would, yeah, that would work. Well, I saw him, like, going around. Like, he was on, like, Jen Hatmaker's podcast and stuff. And I was like, what is he Christian Women's doing? podcast rounds, which was interesting. That's very much the space I live in. Like, I, Yeah, same. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we probably even have a lot of um, podcasts in common. I The one I listen to every day first is usually The Daily by The New York Times. Yeah, that's um, one I of my of, regulars. Yeah, I listen to... Usually when I'm driving to work, I tick through several news podcasts, but I love that one. Um, the the journalism and the storytelling on it is like there's nothing so good. better. Mm-hmm. In my mm-hmm. uh, I like the popcast. Do you listen Me to too? Oh yeah, I love that. I'm a Patreon supporter. Are you a Patreon? Uh yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> I am. I yeah, am. it's so good and I I've really actually enjoyed, I also enjoy the Bible binge. The Bible binge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I love it, what, Forsaken. That's one of my yes, favorites. Yes. So, some of those I really like. Um, there was one she did that I really liked, but um, like last year I was reading the Bible in a year and huh? I found that listening to the episodes of the Bible binge that were about the parts right. I was reading about, they really did enhance my understanding of what right. I was reading. It was really cool. Yeah, I know. And they just do, they make it seem so easy to be able to take it to that level. And um, yeah. Oh, you know, they put so much. Oh, I know. Knox. They're, they're so funny. I love them. They're so funny. (laughs) They're so funny. Um, So I also love the Craig Groeschel leadership podcast. Okay. Okay. Um, That one is just a monthly. And so, you know, it's nice when it pops in there. It's also short, which I appreciate because like a lot of, I listen to so many podcasts. I can't even listen to all of them. I know. And so I appreciate that one. Um, I like the Lazy Genius podcast. Have okay. Kendra Adachi. I don't yeah. listen to it, but I, I'm familiar with her. Yep. Yeah. I like that one. And um, I like the um, Church Politics podcast with Justin Gibney. Obsessed. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. uh, we have, just, we have a, um, a daily newscast that we produce at CBN in Washington called Faith Nation. And he's a regular contributor. Um, on our show. I'm obsessed. I, like, I listened to I it yesterday. And the and I campaign. Was, just love yes. It. I, I actually, yeah, I am also Patreon supporter for them. Yeah. And I'm just like a diehard evangelist for the Ann campaign and church so politics. Good. Like, I absolutely love yeah. I, everything that they say. Like, I mean, of course, there are like here and there, there are times where we're not like 100% agreement. But for the most part, I'm like, if you're a Christian, you need to be on this. Like yes, that's all there is to it. I, I so agree. And I yeah, just respect really- Justin Gibney. I just have so much respect for his voice and um, 
you know, I also like loved Michael Weir. Like I kind of know him a little bit and like personally. Yeah. And then I don't know uh, the other guy as well because he's sort of newer on the podcast. Yeah. But I, I love what he has to say as well. I mean, it's just so needed. And then this week they were talking about the Equality Act and like um, that. That's a tough one. Right. Yeah. That's a tough one to talk about. And I'm so glad that they are getting out there and doing it like because it needs to be done. So anyway, yeah. we could just go on and talk about podcasts. I have like podcast lists forever and ever and ever because I just listen to them constantly. I know. And then like sometimes you look through and you're like, I don't know, nothing sounds good. Like I have so many and I try to switch it up. And then there are weeks where I'm like, nothing sounds good. But there was um, one that I listened to because of you. So I um I listen to Annie F. Downs most of the time, but yeah, I, I just I check the guests on her. Yeah. And yeah, kind of depending on the guests. And I totally scrolled past the Tim Tebow one until I saw that you said this is worth worth your time. <laughs> like, yeah, you I, I would have so I went back and did. So, yeah, that's that's one that I kind of wasn't sure if I was going to listen to. Um, and so I'm not really sure why I ended up hitting play. But, man, I'm glad I did. It was so good. You're like, Tim Tebow is an amazing person. I love him. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I wanted to buy his so book, bad. but I was like, oh, my book stack is way too high right now. Oh, same, same. I don't even – my book stack doesn't even have any hope. And I keep well, you probably get You probably me. get a lot of free books, too. Yeah, yeah, and I don't read them. They just stack up, and I, I still want to be around them, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, they're such a comfort. I totally, <laughs> I totally agree. I don't get a lot of free ones, uh, unfortunately, but I I don't mind buying them. Honestly, ever since, uh, since joining Hope Writers, I've kind of been like, you know, I really want to support authors. And so totally. giving yeah. my money to a book, I if I want to read it, like, I have no problem. Like, you, I don't buy. I don't buy fiction. I only buy nonfiction. But so yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Has that, has it always been that way for you? Like never. No, fiction? not always. Like, really? but in the past few years, and I think it's honestly really is related to Hope Writers. I've gotten so much more acquainted with so many authors that I'm sort of like, oh, I kind of know them. You know, I want to read their right. book. Um, so, and, and 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 also writing my book now has been so much research, and I'm like, oh, well, you need to read like you know, I need to read more C.S. Lewis and I need to read the classics because I'm trying to be like a wise person. And so all of those kind of books also have been stacking up. Uh, so oh, that's I'm so bad at fiction. And I read something from Russell Moore last year that was like, you should read fiction. And I was like, okay, I'm going to. And I think I made it through one book. <laughs> I did read a fiction book recently. I have it by my bedside, so I'd read it before bed. But like when it comes down to my limited time, that's right. not what I want to read. Yeah. Um, I know you're like a doer like me. So you're always like, I need to be learning something. Come on. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, Dana, I will, I will let you go. But thank you so much for yeah, uh, being you. on the podcast today and telling your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was fun to talk to you. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.